0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Hey nerds, so here's some questions for you. When do I need a learning solution and when do I need a coaching solution? Which solution provides greater impact for your organization and what's the potential ROI of both? Well, today we ponder these questions and many more with an expert in the subject, Jill Seeley. Jill is a master coach and lays down some sweet, sweet knowledge on the value of good coaching as a critical and necessary part of your learning efforts. So get ready for some good stuff coming your way in 3, 2, 1.
1: They are the
2: fabulous learning
1: nerds. Cause if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun, the best ideas that you've ever heard,
0: so everybody spread the word, they're gonna keep you with
3: turning, the Fabulous Learning Nerds, Fabulous Learning
0: Nerds, oh yeah! Hey folks, welcome once again to another amazing and exciting episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. My name's Scott, I'm your host. And with me this week, 2 weeks in a row, you love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan
4: the man. Oh yeah.
2: Dan. <laughs> 2 weeks in a row.
0: <laughs> 2 weeks in a row, it's like a new record for
2: you. I know. I know. Every every week after this one is just me reestablishing your record. <laughs> we love you. We missed you that one week. We're glad Aww. that you're back. That is so awesome. Um also
0: with us again the honorary nerd, you love her, Abby Dawson. <laughs> so abby i had to shorten up your um your drop just a little bit because you're getting a little big and so you know i didn't want to and, and dan was jealous daniel was jealous and heart. i want there to be nothing but love on this show so <laughs> we are glad that you're here and i and i've got your your uh, abbreviated drop i hope that's okay
3: oh if it makes dan feel better i can live with it
0: that, that, oh, you know, you are so humble. We love you for that. We love <laughs> how great a team play you are and, and how humble you are. All about fantastic. the team. It is all about the team. Hey, folks, we are not alone this week. I'm so stoked because we have a special guest, Jill Seeley. Hey. Thank
4: you for having me.
0: Oh, my goodness. We are so stoked. I've been pumped about having uh, Miss Celia on, and she's got some great content, some great knowledge that she's going to lay on us. But before we get into uh, all of that, we really need to get to know more about Jill with a little topic we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man, what's your deal? All right, Jill what's your deal man what what what's what's what are you all about what makes you tick why are you in learning development and why did you say yes to being on our show
4: you had me at your name learning nerds i'm a learning nerd i'm i i geek out to psychometrics to coaching to development i've been in in talent and human capital my entire career and uh, you know i believe that Focusing on employees is not done in the right ways in so many places. And we spend so much of our life at work that if we are developing ourselves both as people and um, as leaders, that we're gonna have a better world. Everybody's gonna be happier. The sky is gonna be bluer. The grass will be greener. birds songs will sound sweeter. <laughs> My matcha latte will be creamier.
0: Dogs and cats (laughs) living together, mass hysteria, right?
4: Yeah. Is that too much? I would stop.
0: (laughs) No, it's not too much at all. Jill, you are just the quintessent. You're just another example of of what I know to be true, and that is learning nerds are good people. I don't know many. Dan, do you know many learning jerks? The Learning Jerk podcast doesn't
2: have nearly as many. I think I've talked to you before. Like When I first got into learning and development, when I first got into instructional design, I was kind of a jerk. <laughs> I got better. But, but yeah, those, that first year. Is
4: very important. It
0: it is the foundation of emotional intelligence, Jill. I did learn that. And that explained so much of 2020 yeah. when I learned that that I went, oh, okay. Fantastic. Great. Jill, thank you so much for sharing your deal. Let's go ahead and move into the topic of the week, shall we? Here we- Jill. Yes. What are we going to be talking about this week?
4: Scott, I would love to discuss coaching and learning and development and how we've evolved and why it's important and why people should be thinking about it, especially from the learning and development space. What would you like to talk about, Scott? (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, we don't have time for that, Joe. You
2: know, we we don't. know. that's <laughs> awesome. anybody has ever asked us, what do we want to talk about? Yeah. That is a loaded
0: question. Uh, Joe, I really appreciate it. You know, the interesting thing, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about, um, hey, I want to talk about coaching. And that's such a hot topic, yet it's such an important um, competency. And I love how you how you uh, approached it from a balance of coaching and uh, and learning, right? So I'm I'm super excited to to dive on into it. So uh, the floor is yours, Jill. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about coaching and and uh, learning?
4: Thank you so much. Well, I am with an amazing organization, and uh, you know we've all seen everything change throughout, especially the last year. And we're not going to go into the obvious but being able to be connected and develop people and and to grow and to have balance these are all things that we can gain from coaching and and we've really seen an evolution of coaching if you you know kind of look back to the 80s into 2000 coaching was a remedial tool they were they were using coaching to coach them up or coach them out like get them on track or send them packing. and so people looked at coaching as like oh oh no i'm getting coaching like the next step is i'm gonna get fired i need to get my resume together but then we kind of moved into like this coaching because my manager wants me to change. It's like we hired you and you're an orange, but we really need a banana, but you can put an orange in a banana suit, but it's still going to be an orange. So we, we, went through that phase of just really trying to change people. And then, you know, in the 2000 to 2016, it it was this whole concept of leader as coach. So every coach um, was supposed to be a leader and every leader was supposed to be a coach. The problem and the reality in organizations is that a lot of leaders, first of all, if they've never had a coach, they can be taught to coach, but until you've been through and experienced the journey, that true coaching takes you on, it's really hard, number one, to be a great coach. Number two, it's hard to have the time to both manage your day-to-day duties and really dedicate the amount of attention to being a coach for all of your employees. So today we've kind of now evolved into coaching cultures and growing together and looking at people's strengths and how do we develop strengths i mean coaching used to be you know we we looked at it for a lot of years as a c-suite executive fringe benefit and i am with coach hub who i love our mission it's a moonshot vision we want to democratize coaching to make coaching available for every employee at every level all around the globe. And that excites me. It geeks me out. So that's my why. That's why I'm in the business that I'm in because I believe in the power that coaching brings to individuals, not just in their work lives and not just the returns for organizations, but just overall what it brings to our entire journey through life.
0: That, that is totally awesome. I have to go back to this whole idea of coaching to change people. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of one of my favorite movie quotes and scenes. Are you a Kung Fu Panda person?
4: Um, I feel like I've seen Kung Fu Panda. I may have had a small child at the time and fell asleep in the theater. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But. All right,
0: I'm going to question whether or not you and I can continue to <laughs> be to be friends. Abby, oh, you no. seen Kung Fu Panda? Of course. Daniel? Skadoosh. Oh, there you go. All right, so um, <laughs> yeah. Master Oogway, the turtle. Do you remember this scene? Master Oogway, the turtle. Um, and it's Dustin Hoffman. He plays the, um, oh my goodness, the rat or whatever. Um, and he's all upset because... Kung Fu Panda, he wants Kung Fu Panda to be something that he's not, Master ways. like, you know, um, you're trying too hard to make him into something that, that he's not, he refers to the peach tree, and, uh, you know, you could plant a peach seed every time and water it and pray over it all the all that you want, and it'll always grow up to be a peach tree, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite quotes. I just thought I would, you know, Love it. nerd out with some Kung Fu Panda <laughs> <Yeah>. knowledge. <laughs> But it's so, it's so, um, that's so relevant. And it was interesting today. I was done on a web, on a webinar, on a one way webinar, and we were talking about uh performance management. And you brought up another point too about how all of a sudden you receive a whole bunch of coaching, and people's immediate response is, Oh, no, I'm in trouble, right? And that comes from an HRD movement of, Oh, let's see, well. In order to get rid of somebody, um, we have to have documentation, so Mm -hmm. you better start coaching and documenting, which is a totally wrong way of, you know, raising up your folks. I
4: I would love to know how many of you have ever sat through a performance review, like an organization decides to do annually, and your manager comes to you and tells you, here's all the things you're doing great, and here's all the things that you know, are below expectations, or maybe the things that aren't exceeding expectations. What do you walk out of that meeting with? It's like, where were you the rest of the year, and why did and why am I just hearing about this, right?
2: No, I totally agree, 100%. Like, uh, as somebody who has to both give and receive those type of performance reviews, if ever there's a surprise, if ever, like, I'm telling somebody something and they're surprised by it or I'm receiving something and I'm surprised by it, that's a big fail. It's a huge fail.
3: Yeah. And I think if all I he- if I feel like there should be always be things for me to improve on to um, how you present it should be different. Right. But if if the expectation is that I should be knocking everything out of the park every year, then you're not serving me. I'm not doing enough. I'm not being challenged. So I think there's a lot of problems with that model. 100%
4: agree. And even delivering that message. And Scott, we talked the other day about, you know, the golden rule versus the platinum rule. And people need to hear messages differently. People are wired differently. And, And the golden rule talks about treating others how we need to be treated or how we'd like to be treated. Versus the platinum rule, which is what everybody should be embracing, which is to treat others how they need to be treated. But if we don't have self-awareness of our communication and our behavioral drives, and we have absolutely no idea of others, how are we going to really communicate to a person in a way that they will receive a constructive message?
0: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so you're working with Coach Hub now, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love your mission around providing coaching to everyone. Because I, I honestly don't care how good you think you are, you need a coach. I, I'm going to ask a question. Jill, do you have a coach? I do. There you go. Right answer. Very good.
4: You know what? <laughs> Abby and I, 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 I have to interject this because – I have worked for coaching organizations like selling, doing consulting around providing coaching strategies for corporations for, you know, the better part of 10 years. And this is the first time one of the companies that I have worked for that that pushes coaching has ever provided me coaching.
2: (laughs) <laughs> like
4: right so i i'm just going to tell you if, if anybody that's listening is in an organization that doesn't use its own solution <laughs> you should rethink that living <laughs> like working for somebody who in an organization that lives their values is transformative in terms of the experience of going to work every day so i love i love what i do i Sorry, I'm gonna geek out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull. No. I'm gonna pull it back. I'm gonna like pull the reins. No, don't do that. Full no, steam
0: ahead. So we we've talked about self awareness, mean stuff on you, Joe. and I. I just think it's so important that as a leader that we have those moments of oh well, I can always be better, and the only way we can really get that, I believe, is through good coaching. Um, Daniel or Abby. Do you guys have mentors? I mean, Daniel, you and know, I talked about,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, mentorship in episode zero. Yeah. So, so
2: I mean, I, I have a mentor. I have somebody who has helped me, especially for, like, learning and development. Somebody who, like, even to this day, I can just be like, hey, man, what do you think about this? I got this idea. This is where I'm heading. Like, what do you think? And he's always just been, like, a voice of wisdom and somebody who's, like, helped me, like, Change and shift my perspective when it goes a little askew, and without that, without that, without that extra perspective, that extra like trusted moment, I I can't imagine I would be where I am today. Yeah,
3: yeah. And Scott, you introduced me to the idea of um, this accountability coach, mm-hmm. like what we do for each other. Um, That was a new concept for me when you brought it up, but uh, I look at it now as people who I don't necessarily see as even in my same industry, but people who I go to and say, I trust you. I feel like you're gonna give me honest feedback. What do you think about this? Do you think I could? Do you think I should? What what would I need to get there? And that has changed my life. I love that.
0: It's just such a safety net for detachment. Right, I get to make better decisions because I have accountability partners. And Abby, you're smart. I trust you. I may be in a position where um, the potential of doing something really stupid is real. And if I've not, I not, right? Which is like every day. So if I've got a good accountability network. I can teach myself or get into the practice of before I make this decision, I'm going to call somebody I trust. And I'm going to vent, right? We're going to get the emotions out of the decision. We're going to make a good decision based on sound judgment of people who genuinely care about me and genuinely care about my ability to affect others. Jill, you were going to say?
4: I, I just love everything that you're saying is, uh, again, going to the learning nerds, people who have a passion for this and in this industry are lifetime learners and they just are sponges for knowledge and for feedback and they want to grow and they want to improve. And that is why I love being in this industry. You know, it's hard because not everybody is a sponge for wanting to learn and grow as a person and change their perspectives or their behaviors. Um, and and that's really kind of the difference between mentoring and coaching. I, I, I love the idea. Coaching is ask, don't tell. A coach does not tell you what to do. A coach facilitates y- your personal journey that you choose to go on by asking thoughtful questions and taking you down the road that you want to be on and focusing on your strengths and really exploring what your thoughts and feelings and and in terms of mentors um, Abby is you know I'm going to talk to the ladies on the call right now cuz <laughs> I'm a lady you're a lady and <laughs> you know there's there's some studies out there that say we're treated disproportionately right and 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 not just us but all areas of diversity and inclusion are really being under, held under a microscope right now. And one of the things that I adopted from, and I wish I, this was my idea, but it wasn't, I got it from a, a, somebody I respected a long time ago, but I have developed my internal female board of personal board of directors, that I have invited women in industry that I respect, and I wanna be like, and that I admire. And I will follow up with them and talk to them quarterly. Sometimes, you know, we get off and maybe it's half a year, but I will check in with them and, and I, they will hold me accountable, Scott, to your point, having those accountability partners. But I love the idea of a personal board of directors, the people that hold you accountable, the people you trust, the people you can go to who can give you new perspectives and help you grow and learn as a person again, something else that I'm very passionate about.
3: Yeah, I love that. And I really think it's important to find people uh, like actively yeah. l- look for examples. Um, I didn't necessarily believe that so much when I was younger. As I've gotten into my career, mm-hmm. I've humbled myself a bit and recognized the value of it. Um, right. So I appreciate that a lot.
0: This is really great. Hey, Jill, could you go ahead you know if we talk about coaching and what it is and what it's not you know how does it relate to training right or learning what's the difference
4: that's a great question and i'm, I'm going to give you some very simple stats so you know McKinsey in 2018 um, did a survey and and only 15 percent of leaders reported an increase in performance through classroom training versus of leaders reporting an increase of goal attainment through coaching. Um, And 70% of leaders who received coaching reported improved productivity and collaboration. So the fact is that, you know, if you look at, again, being learning geeks, and you look at normal learning models and how humans learn and retain information, if we sit in a classroom, we're going to forget 85% of the information that we've learned, you know, relatively quickly, especially when it's not reinforced. So essentially, what you can surmise from that is 85% of the money that you're spending on learning and development efforts in a classroom, you're wasting your money. So when you think about the effectiveness and what you're trying to accomplish with learning, coupling learning and classroom training with coaching and reinforcement and changing this is one of my favorite sayings in coaching because we're always looking for behavioral shift right and I like to say shift happens <laughs> <laughs> so and and there's also a joke that you know how many coaches does it take to change a light bulb well one but the light bulb really has to want to change <laughs> so uh, you know that <laughs> Wait, I haven't heard that. I feel like I'm just saying. No, no,
2: but that's going to get repeated.
4: I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you know, when you look at being able to have a a relationship, especially with a coach outside of your organization, where you're not just um, paranoid about what you're saying is going to be on your performance review. It's not about your performance at the company. It's about looking at your strengths and exploring how you can develop those even further to become even better at what you do. When we explore strengths versus trying to change weaknesses, um, it's amazing at the transformation and there's statistics over statistics and ICF has done great studies. but overall we we learned that people when they are going through coaching for behavioral change that you are going to see much more not only perceived but in like individually perceived but also returns that are are tangible for the organizations that put those individuals through coachings at a much higher rate, but and some studies go between 500 and 700 percent return on investment, um, which is is staggering. So people who who talk about it's like oh you know coaching is just a, a loss leader. We're just spending money just to make people feel good. It's like well they're missing. I feel like the bigger picture and the impacts that it really carries.
3: I love this. I'm having like all kinds of light bulb moments listening to this. Um, We have talked so much in other podcasts about rehearsal and how little you really learn um, at any one time, um, how hard it is to get content to stick, building trust and confidence. And I'm realizing, like, literally, as you were talking, I was like, this is how it happens. The coaching is where you assess the application of what you learned in training build trust build confidence allow somebody to fail and then improve that's yeah. what occurred to me while you were talking
4: that makes me that makes me smile in my heart
0: <laughs> <laughs> get uh, get you a tissue everybody a tissue. Thanks, and preferably not a
1: used tissue
0: <laughs>
4: oh. Oh. I'll use my shirt Blow my nose <laughs> You're changing lives, Jill. Right? <laughs> Better, like, think about when you have somebody there who's drawing the best out of you and is getting you to, I, I, I'm going to tell a quick story, and you can cut this out if you need to, Scott, but. No, 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 um, no
0: I love stories, go.
4: I, I consider myself a pretty empathetic and self-aware Person, and I've been in development and leadership development for so long that I I've, I've picked up a lot along the way. But I had my second um, coaching call with my coach from Coach Hub, and this was a couple weeks ago. And I was supposed to have come uh, to the coaching session with some goals that I had set for myself and i struggled i struggled for two weeks and i like i even postponed my coaching session because i'm like i don't know like i came to an epiphany so all like my first goal was like hit all my performance metrics like (laughs) make that's a
0: good one jill i'd have that one for sure (laughs) right
4: but here's the thing i came to a realization because of my coach and and the questions and the journey he took me on that I had never set a goal for myself that wasn't based on what somebody else wanted from me
2: that's that's uh, that's awesome but I I see that so often it was it, as like mm, words are tough <laughs> I' like Worked with more and more people and helped to like coach and develop people. Just in the role that I'm in now, everybody starts off there. Everybody's like, "Uh, I I want to be good at this job. It's basically like where everybody starts, and like having to look at somebody and be like, Okay, cool, great. I I figured that. That's why. That's why you're here. Let's set that aside. Past that, what do you want to do? Past that, and everybody goes, Oh, (laughs) it's just that deep sigh because it's hard. And it's like, Okay, cool. That's what I want you to think about. For our next one-on-one, right? We'll talk about it. Let's let's you know reconfigure. But yeah, I I I know for me too. Like every time I like went into like a work-approved coaching session for the longest time, it's like okay, Daniel, like what are you working on? Um, whatever you want me to work on, so I can keep employed. (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah.
4: And to have an external coach, you know, he backed me out of it. He said, okay. Why Why do you want to hit all of your, you know, key performance indicators and all your metrics? I, and I said, because I, I want to make as much money as like I'm <laughs> capable of making. It's like, well, why do you want to make money? I'm like, you know, I really want to be 100% debt free. I want to live completely on cash and never have any sort of debt, and I, I, I want to retire before I'm 60 and enjoy my life. He's like, well, that sounds like a great goal, and I was like, oh, and he's like, so why isn't that your goal, and I was like, well, I, I thought maybe it should be more around my work and my performance. He's like, but don't you think having that personal goal for yourself, he's like, how do you think that might drive your performance or your behaviors at work? And then I was like light bulb. And it's one of those, those moments in life that's like, aha, like I get it. And, and if I could give everybody the experience of having that aha moment, we're setting personal goals in life and your employees having personal goals, how it translates to their performance when they're very clear on what they want to accomplish. And when they have a destination in mind, it's, it, it it it's transformative and it was really a moment for me
0: let me ask you a question yeah jill. are you ever gonna forget that person
4: no <laughs> i'm i'm working on this balance and the centeredness and bringing more of myself into everything that i do and not having a you know jill at home life and jill at work life but Really, I'm the same person, regardless of where I'm at. So understanding my strengths and being my authentic self wherever I show up and and realizing that that is going to just propel me to both my personal goals and to help my organization reach their goals and their expectations of me is, uh, again, it was a great moment for me especially after selling this and touting this for so long to have that experience. (laughs) It's like, Oh, you know what? (laughs) I'm one of these statistics. I'm one of these people who like I can say I'm going to be better at my job because, and this was after my second coaching call. So uh, yeah.
0: I, I just think that's an absolutely wonderful story and thank you for sharing it. I I love that you said yes because I sometimes and I'm speaking to all the leaders in the room and I, I hope and I pray that that's everyone can recognize that they're they have the opportunity to lead. We we forget the impact that we have on others. My moments that I will never forget with coaching or mentoring or accountability conversations are the ones where the individual across the Zoom call or phone call or whatever Really saw me, right? Where they really knew me, and the power in that moment is transformational. And, and you know, questions um, that that great coaches ask, um, the ones that really make you think, and you know, dare I say, life changing ones, all have that one thing in common: where they just really saw who I was, and that human element. It's so important, and yet, as Dan says, everybody shows up with "I want to like uh, meet my KPIs," and you know. And I know that as leaders, we've all had these conversations. You know, first time coaching call with people, if you get it, like most of us do. Hey, where do you want to go? Well, no one's asked me that. How long have you worked here? Ten years, and no one's asked you that.
4: Scott, can I? challenge you I'm going to challenge I'm going to challenge what you're saying a little bit I hope you don't find this argumentative Mm -mm. do you think you had that moment because the coach saw you or do you think that you had that moment because the coach helped you see yourself
0: I think it's a little bit of both. So I agree with what you're there. Like you recreate that moment where people can step in. Yeah. But if I'm not genuinely invested in the personal growth of the person across from me, Mm -hmm. those moments don't happen. Right. They don't, they become teaching moments where I'm just kind of throwing stuff at you, right? They become one way conversations.
4: I'll send you some research. It's called the Coach Coachee Working Alliance. And that's the number one predictor of the successful outcomes of a coaching engagement,
0: you spent a little bit uh, of time just a few moments ago on ROI, and you mentioned a number that blew my mind, which was like that seven hundred percent ROI from coaching. Are, are there any other listen, we all want to do better at this like how can how can we take some of those nuggets of information and how can we build a better culture within the places that we serve to allow these kinds of things to grow.
4: Sure. So back in uh, another organization, you, it was a smaller organization. I was, We went through Traction. Um, and it's a great book, especially for entrepreneurs and, and startup organizations. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they tout the idea that if you don't measure it, it doesn't matter. The problem with coaching, especially in terms of, you know, you have the HR department. And the HR department for so long has sort of been beaten down as a cost center. It's like they're a necessary evil. They're the no department. And when things things change when HR is given a seat at the table for the strategy of the company. And when you look at how do we measure the effectiveness of our learning and how are we designing our strategies in line with what the company goals are? We ha- we have to start really demanding that people in learning development, diversity, HR are at they're key at the decision making table at the very top of the organization in the C suite because people, product, profit, right? They, they're they the stewards of our people. And being able to not only measure what the impacts of the programs, the training, whatever you decide to put in place, but not only measure it, but align it to the goals of the company and look at it from a strategic point of view within a business context, I think is absolutely crucial. And one of the ways that digital coaching and Coach Hub is a disruptor in this whole development and learning space is because we not only can connect people affordably to coaches, the best coaches around the globe, but we can measure the impacts, and we can give you data, actionable data on the on the back end for all the coaching engagement. So let's say, for example, you put 50 leaders into Coach Hubs, you know, uh, through coaching, and you can see, okay, 30% of those leaders have chosen to work on their balance or their communication or their time management. So being in a learning and development department and seeing, okay, out of 50 leaders, 30 to 40% of them are all are all feeling like they're not as strong or they really wanna improve in these areas. That gives me critical data that I can then take back to my other learning and training and efforts to evolve my people and i'm treating people as individuals and not painting the whole idea of leadership development with a broad brush stroke so when you put people through a training and you assume they're all in the same place people come with their own beliefs their own values everybody is at a different spot in their personal and professional development And what training cannot account for is really meeting each individual where they are so you don't run into these huge, like brand breaking snafus while you're trying to do something that's positive. So that's like one of the things that I, uh, and the takeaways in terms of, Looking at training versus coaching, and, and really taking a one size fits one approach.
2: I have I, I, maybe an unfair question. Yeah, this goes back. I love unfair. To something you said in the beginning, and you said a lot of times HR isn't getting a seat at the table, and we should have them at like the strategy session. And you said a great thing, like people, product, profit, like hundred mm-hmm. percent. Why do you think? It's such a struggle to get these human-based sciences and human-based professions, a seat at the table in corporations.
4: I think because for so long in our, throughout our history, throughout our evolution, we've, we've just focused on the money. And, and I think that's simply it. It's, it's, it's receivables versus payables. It's what, it, what are, who's spending money, who's making money. I, I've been fortunate to work in sales departments for most of the companies that I've been in. And we get a lot, like sale, the sales team, the people who are revenue generating are treated much different than the people who are deemed to be revenue spending. Um, so I think it's critical to, for everybody in develop to look at, at their programs and their strategies in terms of the business goals, making sure that what you're doing, because again, we're learning geeks, right? We have a passion for learning. We wanna teach other people. We wanna grow people. We love people. We're people people, (laughs) (laughs) right? And so our passion sometimes can outmaneuver our strategic position. And I think we need to harness our passion for learning and developing people in terms of putting it into measurable business strategic context and show and demand that what we're doing is not just helpful, but it's absolutely necessary for companies in this day and age to
2: survive. Okay, I love that. I 100% agree. I have an unfair follow-up. <laughs>
4: okay, I so, love. So you know you, what? I don't do with fair. Like I love unfair. Bring <laughs> it on. Nobody so fair even. in life.
0: Dan's getting even for what you did to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so you, you you came with numbers. You brought the science. We've talked about the science here before. Like 100%. Invest in your people. Better, stronger profit, more money. Why is there still such a struggle to, like, push that when, like, all the science, all the numbers show that, like, hey, like, invest in these teams and invest in them sooner and you will make more money? I think you touched on it a little bit in your last answer. So, like... I just want to know if, like, just what your thoughts are on that.
4: You know, going back to the whole coaching culture and and understanding the continuum of behavior change and really awareness is you, you can't change a behavior if you don't and if you're not aware of the behavior in the first place, right? I think there's a lot of companies who are not aware that they're not paying attention to it or they're not aware that it matters. I think just from historically speaking terms, they're just used to operating on, let's focus on the P&L, let's focus on on sales, let's focus on these things, but they don't look at the cost of turnover. They don't think about, okay, my employees are, are showing up to work, I'm paying them for eight hours. And they, they like, meh, feel like that, it, When they're at work, they're like, okay, I'm here. I'm collecting a paycheck. But when you get employees to put in that discretionary effort and to give a little bit more, and when you see how that impacts productivity in the bottom line, and again, it's hard to measure. And, you know, there's also the saying going back to, if you can't measure it, it doesn't matter. And the only thing that's important is what we pay attention to. So if, if, if you look at CEOs and COOs and CFOs, and they're looking at numbers and data, we have to be able to provide people data, just like we provide financial data to make the case and, and bring it to the attention. Because again, if we're not paying attention to something, it doesn't matter. We're, it's not important to us if it's not in the realm of, of our, our perception.
2: No, that's awesome.
0: We need to start to wrap things up, but I wanted to give Abby an opportunity to ask a question or provide a cheap shot for Jill.
3: <laughs> no, first I hope we have Jill back on because I have like a thousand more questions. Um, but real quick, if I am starting in a new um, in a young company, it's not a new it's not a new company. They're they're growing a lot, and we are really creating their training program. If you could tell, if if you were in my shoes, are there a couple of quick things you would do to set us on the right path to to building the right kind of program?
4: I would, number one, align it with the business goals. Because at the end of the day, we all work for organizations who have a purpose, who have a mission and vision and values. They have stakeholders that they're accountable to. So find out, First of all, does the C suite know what the strategic initiatives for the next one, three, five years are? And then uh, going back to Covey's principle, begin with the end in mind. Start with what you're trying to achieve and then work your way back.
0: Thank you, Jill. Hey, what do you do? What needs to hit the fan before people go, oh crap, uh, I need Jill, right? <laughs> and then how do they get a hold of you?
4: Sure. So again, Coach Hub's vision is to democratize coaching and bring coaching to all employees at every level around the globe. And um, if somebody wants to understand that they can provide coaching that they would traditionally spend for one coaching engagement for a C-suite employee, they could do you know, handfuls of employees a, and just the the fact that it's it's affordable, it's a return on their investment. it's measurable um, and I have to say, Scott, I practice unsafe social media. I'll connect with anybody, so <laughs> <laughs> I
0: found that out this
4: week. (laughs) Like, I'm a big believer in networking. Like, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Jill Seeley go to coachhub.io and look at our website and also we are um, going to be having a webinar on april 22nd that talks all about the science and um, data behind the return on investment on in coaching and i think that's going to be a topic that a lot of people will be interested in
0: folks if you want to participate in this awesome webinar uh, you're gonna go ahead and check out the uh, link that we've got in the show notes, or you can find it uh, on our Facebook page. Any final thoughts, Miss Seely?
4: Thank you for you know I'm just gonna, I I I may be taking liberties here, but I'm just gonna call myself a learning nerd now because I feel like I've always been a learning nerd, but now I'm gonna officially like brand myself like well I was on the podcast, so I'm absolutely a learning nerd. <laughs> Is that okay to do?
2: I hope so.
4: Yes. Okay. Yeah, we love it. You can even buy <laughs> learning nerd swag. I'm probably going to. And I will, uh, <laughs> like, I will promote it all over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, with that, let's go ahead and move into our leadership minute. Time for Coach Shooting's Leadership Minute. I find it interesting every week how our leadership minute kind of talks into ties into what we've been talking about today. I want to talk a little bit about recognition because as leaders, it's really easy to find people doing rotten stuff. the The bad stuff's easy to find. Um, the good stuff, not so much. And. You know, if you take a look at engagement and you take a look at this whole idea of recognition, so long as you're authentic and so long as you're genuine, the amount of time that you should put into recognition is at least once a week. Set that as a goal for yourself, folks. Find something good that your employees did once a week and tell them either privately or publicly in whatever way that they want to be recognized because it's so important. Don't wait for those coaching calls once a quarter or once a year before you tell them they did something good. You're going to tell them once a week. And that's this week's Leadership Minute. Dan, you're back. How about you tell our listeners um, how they could connect with us?
2: Absolutely. Guys, you can connect to us at learningnerdcast at gmail.com. Email us any questions you've got. We want to hear what you've got to say. You can also find us on Facebook at Learning Nerds. Join in the discussion. Any of the fun? Check out the swag we've got. Lastly, if you're Instagram people, Fab Learning Nerds is where you can find us. Hey, folks, that's going to wrap things up. I want to thank our
0: special guest, Jill Seely from Coach Hub. Thanks for laying the knowledge on us. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your friends. Have them tag along. If you want to email us, you can reach us at learningnerdscats at gmail.com or join in the fun on our Facebook page at Learning Nerds. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Jill. And we're your fabulous learning nerds. Go out there and make learning fun. We're out!
1: Master, Master! Hmm? I have it's uh it's very bad news. Uh Shifu. Well, there is just news. There is no good or bad. Master, your vision! Your vision was right. Tai Lung has broken out of prison. He's on his way. That is bad news. If you do not believe that the dragon warrior can stop him. The panda? Master, that panda is not the dragon warrior. He wasn't even meant to be here. It was an accident. There are no accidents. (sighs) Yes, I know. You've said that already. Twice. (laughs) Well... That was no accident either. Thrice. My old friend, the panda will never fulfill his destiny, nor you, yours, until you let go of the illusion of control. Illusion? Yes. Look at this tree, Sifu. I cannot make it blossom when it suits me, nor make it bear fruit before its time. But there are things we can control. (laughs) I can control when the fruit will fall. (laughs) And I can control... ...where to plant the seed. That is no illusion, Master. Ah, yes. But no matter what you do, that seed will grow to be a peach tree. You may wish for an apple or an orange, but you will get a peach. But a peach cannot defeat Tai Lung. Maybe it can, if you are willing to guide it, to nurture it, to believe in it. But how? How? I need your help, Master. No, you just need to believe. Promise me, Shifu. Promise me you will believe. I... I will try.
0: Mm. good. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you think of giving it a try, check out MyFlexLearning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.